What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Long Game Podcast hosted by Thomas Kopelman and Trayton DeVore. In each episode, you'll hear us break down financial topics that are relevant to the lives of millennials and other young professionals. Our goal is to help bring credible financial information to you in short, bite-sized episodes. Thomas Kopelman and Trayton DeVore are the co-founders and financial planners at All Street Wealth. All opinions expressed by Thomas and Trayton are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of All Street Wealth. This podcast is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It should not be considered advice. Please consult with your financial advisor, tax, legal, and any other advisors you have before making any decisions regarding your financial plan. All right. What's up? And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Long Game Podcast. Today, I'm joined by health insurance expert, Matt Allen from Iconic Insurance. Matt, thanks for joining me, man. I know we're in the same city and we're kind of doing this virtual, but I just think that's the world we live in now. (laughs) It is weird. Um, I always have that Calendly spot um, when you go to book an appointment, like you can come to my office. It's right in Carmel, Indiana. And everybody is Zoom, 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 even when they're in the same city. So 100%. Um, yeah, but great to be on. Um, yeah, this is awesome. Pretty excited. I, uh, it's funny. I remember I connected you to a client just a couple weeks ago and your response was like, hey guys, like here's time available to me. Like I prefer in person, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I will hundred percent guarantee they do not say that they're going to do in person. It's, it's so funny. Cause it is like, it's a different feeling. Like I think that like I actually had a pro- new prospect me the other week with somebody on a phone call and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just can't get the same thing across as Zoom. But then I kind of forget that I can't get the same thing across in Zoom as in person, but also like the efficiency that you can create of Zoom of like, hey, I have my meeting. I let my dog out for 15 minutes. I go back to my meeting. Like I can't really do that if we don't do Zoom. And so then I have to have less meetings and less clients. So good and bad, yeah. in it, I think. Yeah, there's definitely good and bad. Some of the, some of the stuff is easier to explain in person for sure, but yeah. You know, we do, we do what we can and, and it allows you to see people outside of the city too, which is nice. Yeah, it, it's super awesome. So, so give a little intro of who you are, what you do, and then we'll just dive into health insurance. Sure, absolutely. So um, like Thomas, you had already said, Matt Allen with Iconic Insurance. Uh, I founded this company a little over two years ago. Um, after working in the industry for five years prior to that, I was captive, um, which in the insurance lingo basically means I worked for one company and I sold their products and only their products. And uh, this was a good company. I did like working for them, but it became frustrating over those five years when I would sit down with people and and just due to my knowledge of health insurance in general, I knew which product they should have. And I didn't sell it. My company didn't have it. And so I would be sending them down the road to, you know, Joe Smith. I'll go talk to him. He he sells it to you. And and it just felt like I wasn't doing a, a holistic enough job when I would meet with these people. It'd be like I'm dressed in in Nike head to toe and you're coming to me for a new pair of shoes. And I'm like, don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll get you the best possible shoe out there. Um, and then it ends up being Nike every time. Well, that doesn't seem very, very genuine. Um, and so yeah. what I ended up doing was I, I broke away. I still represent that company. I still love that company. That's who I have my personal health insurance through. I still sell a ton of it, but I now sell whatever I want to and every, yeah. everything that I want to. And it just allows me, now I can sit down with anybody in any situation and show them everything truly and genuinely and, and facilitate that sign up. And so um, yes. that's sort of the process uh, with that's us. A, that's and- a way, I was going to say, that's a, such a way better setup. Like when I first started at the broker dealer I was at, 
which obviously is a different industry a little bit, but it was like, it was captive in that way. You can only sell this company's products and this company's mutual funds and those type of things. And I felt the same way, just felt like, well, what if this isn't right for them? And they would always say like, but it's good enough. And I'm like, but good enough isn't the goal. And the difference is the company I was at is like, if you go elsewhere, you can't even use their products. So their thing is like, well, if you leave, you don't get our products. Like that's some disadvantage. Like if your products were that good, you let everybody use it because you'd make more money. Like, obviously that's not necessarily the value, but um, at least for years, it's a no brainer. Why would you not leave if you can still sell the same product you like, but give ability to sell more? Like, I, I don't see any world where that's the wrong decision. And the, the funniest part is my, you know, I, I left and, um, you know, I didn't leave. I, I still represent them, but I just started my own thing. And, and I've actually started to sell more of the old product than mm. I used to because I can, because I can truly sit down and offer everything, you know, in that same Nike example, what if at the end of my talk with you, I, it ended up that Nike really was the best choice for you. Would you really believe me? I don't yeah. know. You, you know, you might be like yeah i think this guy's just trying to sell me some nike stuff there is that barrier for sure it's like for me like i don't make any money on any products or anything else so like before when i did if you say hey you need this product people are like "Ooh, is that because you get paid or you don't and versus Uh now it's like hey this is what's best for you i don't get any compensation difference between it like if i told you to get the wrong thing you'd probably leave me and stop working with me in a year like obviously i'm going to push you to the best things because it doesn't change compensation but which is why I believe this is the best model, but I'm not going to sit here and talk fee models because people argue about it all day. But so we're going to have two parts of this podcast. Part one is going to be like the basics of health insurance, because what I find is people don't know them at all. Like even just general, like what insurance is different health insurances there are, what you can pick from, what are the common terms? Like I'll have people talk to me and they'll confuse FSA with HSA, and then they'll con- confuse deductible with you know, a copay or like whatever the mixes are. So I think we have to have, give the people that base level knowledge. And then at the end, we'll gear this more towards like options that business owners have, because that's a large part of our audience and who I really work with at this point. That sounds great. Um, so just to dive in first, um, every health insurance product is going to have a cost and that's called a premium. And the way that the premium is derived, that's just your monthly payment is it's risk-based. Okay. Uh, you know, just like your car insurance, just like your homeowner's insurance, any type of insurance, the, the insurance company is going to calculate risk and then they're going to charge you a premium for it. And with that premium, you're going to get certain stats on your health insurance. And those are kind of the terms that you were talking about. You know, you'll have a deductible and you'll have an out-of-pocket max and you'll have a copay. So what deductible means is it's what your responsibility is as the person who makes the claim before the health insurance company is going to pay anything. And so, so a lot of time, go ahead. I was going to say, let's just pause there and use numbers for an example for somebody to know, because I think people confuse this. So let's say you're, you pay 300 bucks a month. So that's your premium. So $3,600 a year would be the premium. And maybe with that, you have an $8,000 deductible. So you're going to pay that $3,600 no matter what. And then you'd have to pay $8,000 towards your deductible before it would start kicking in and paying you any insurance. So like right there, your minimum cost before paying it that doesn't sound fun, obviously, to everybody, but that's eleven thousand six hundred dollars before it kicks in. 
That is exactly right. Yep. And that that you're going to find a lot with uh, certain work plans and certain you know marketplace plans are those high deductibles and those high premiums. So yes, that is the baseline cost. And then that's going to reset every year too, Thomas. So the 3600 is a fixed cost. That $8,000 deductible um, on a typical plan like that is a cumulative total. So what I mean by that is I go in for an $800 MRI or something. Well, that's going to go against the $8,000. So now I'm 7,200 away from the insurance company kicks in. So, you know, absolute worst case scenario, I have $7,999 a year of medical care. The insurance company never pays, pays, a, pays a dime. Okay. Yep. Um, what that insurance company though is also going to have is they're going to have something called an out-of-pocket max. So after you hit your deductible and the insurance company starts kicking in, you personally are going to have a limit per year on what you will owe. And that's what's called the out-of-pocket max. Unfortunately, with the way that health insurance is going, the deductible and the out-of-pocket max are usually very close together. And so the insurance company is either paying everything above and beyond your $8,000 deductible, or they're paying absolutely zero before you hit that $8,000 deductible. And so a lot of these plans are turning into the more catastrophic type plans, um, which is a little frustrating for people. But but I think what people confuse, and I've had this conversations a lot, and it's easier to go look at like dental or vision is like the insurance is, is like a risk play. So, Hey, what are the big risks you're facing? And they're looking at it too. Like a lot of people have healthcare on a yearly basis. Like you're always going to have like your physical and you're going to maybe get blood work. Once you're gonna have those things like that's expected insurance companies basically think you should be planning for that. What they're there to cover is really like, these are big years. There are a lot of expenses and you're going to offload the risk of like, Hey, I'm in the hospital for four days overnight and it's $60,000. Like, yeah, sure. You know, paying these premiums suck, but that year, and you might get $52,000 of pay that is probably going to end up offsetting in other years that you spend less, but then you go to like vision visions, maybe like 10 bucks a month or something, but then it'll give you, or maybe it's 20 bucks a month and it'll cover your eye exam and a pair of glasses that cost basically the exact same as the insurance did. Like those are a little different play than the health insurance side. So sometimes, and you're exactly right, I, I will liken it to auto insurance and not to not to conflate the two things too much, but you know, you don't have your auto insurance to change your wiper blades or get an oil change yeah. or you know, get a new set of tires. You have it for those catastrophic collisions or somebody hits you, you hit somebody or something like that. That's why you have your auto insurance. And you know, the types of things with like vision or dental, um, those are more like maintenance plans for yourself. You know, it's, it's expected costs. What insurance is really designed to do is to avoid catastrophic financial loss um, based on risk. So, so, you know, that's a lot of really weird insurance terms, but that basically means it's to avoid some, some type of financial catastrophe for the unexpected. So like you had said, you know, your annual physical or your annual blood work, those are the things that, that we can expect to happen. But a ruptured spleen or you tear your ACL playing basketball, those are the things people should be leaning on for their health insurance more. Um, and so when we talk about deductibles and stuff, there are certain plans that we already touched on that have that cumulative annual deductible that's like $8,000 or something. There are also health insurance plans out there, Thomas, and this is the type of plan I have on myself that have per incident deductibles for those things like a ruptured spleen or a torn ACL. And it allows it, since it's per incident, to really lower it. My accident insurance deductible right now is 
Okay. And so there are certain products out there, depending on how you traverse the, the individual market that can offer you a better benefit than, than some of those marketplace plans. Okay, perfect. What other terms do people need to know? So uh, another very common one is copay. Um, a lot of people will have a copay going to see a doctor or going to see a specialist, or sometimes at the pharmacy, you'll have a copay. And what that essentially means is your insurance company has a pre-negotiated rate with these doctors, specialists, and, and pharmacies that, hey, you only have to pay your copay as the, as the patient of let's say $40 is your doctor visit copay. You're going to go in to see your doctor because you've got the flu or whatever. You only will owe $40. Your health insurance is going to pay that, that offset of whatever the doctor charges less your $40. And so that's what a copay is for that. Um, if you need to go see a specialist, it's usually a little bit higher. Let's say it's, let's say you got to go see an ear doctor because um, you got this ringing in your ear. That ear doctor might charge $200 to go see him, but your specialist copay is 60. All you're going to owe for that visit that day is $60. The insurance will, will cover the rest. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, you explained that perfectly. I don't think I even need to ask a question to make it more basic. Okay. So, <laughs> perfect. That was really good. Okay. And also, I guess the one thing I do it. So then you mentioned this too, but then they have prescription copay sometimes too. So they'll have a generic mm -hmm. prescription copay, um, et cetera. So, okay. Mm -hmm. Next term. Oh, geez. Um, actually, actually, I will want to dive a little bit into the prescription one. So um, a lot of people, okay. uh, when, the, when you get a prescription card, there's actually four tiers. And Thomas and I talked a little bit about this off air, but um, there are these there are these things popping up like GoodRx. Uh, Mark Cuban has one called Cost Plus Drugs. There's one yeah. called WellRx. And what are these things? Well, these are, these are um, intermediate discount prescription cards, okay? Um, and, and they are securing these huge discounts from these pharmacies because they don't have to use an insurance middleman. So when you have a copay for your insurance card, the insurance company is taking a little bit. They're, they're taking a little bit off of that through the pharmaceutical industry. The pharmacy's taking a little bit off that. The pharmaceutical industry has to be has to be paid. And so there's all these hands sort of in the cookie jar. What GoodRx and, and Cost Plus Drugs basically says they've kicked out the insurance company getting a getting a piece. And they've basically wholesaled the whole thing. So if you ever have a prescription and it's a generic, your copay for your health insurance might be 20 bucks. It might be 30 bucks to go and get, you know, you go and get your 30 day supply of whatever you pay your $30 and everything else has worked out. Well, a lot of times that's more than you should be paying. You should be looking at GoodRx. You should be looking at those things because a lot of times it'll be lower than that $30. So I didn't okay. want to brush off too quickly from that. No, perfect. That, that's good added information too. Um, okay, cool. So a couple other things we can maybe go over is like PPO versus HMO. And kind of describe Ooh, that's a good one. the difference between that's those a really two. good one because even like I've I've had to like even in the last year as I pre prepare for like company benefits time with employees I always go back and I'm like wait what's the difference again like <laughs> which maybe is probably something I should have solidified in my mind but I can look up the answer. So when so when you do have a plan, um, two of two of those types. So what those things are is they're describing your network. Okay. And what the network means is where you can go, which providers you can use your insurance at. And so let me unpack that a little bit more. What PPO stands for is preferred provider organization. 
And that's the good one out of the two. And so what that means is they have a list of preferred providers that they want you to go to, that they want you to use. And if you are staying in that preferred provider organization inside that, they're going to lower your copays. They're going to lower your deductibles. They're going to make things more appealing for you to use them because it behooves the insurance company. They have a better rate with those preferred providers. So they want you to go there and they're gonna entice you with it. But if you have that PPO and you go outside of that network, really expensive. you still have coverage. You still have coverage gotcha. on the PPO. It's just your deductible is gonna go back up. It's probably gonna be a little pricier on your copay. Your out-of-pockets can be a little higher. So they want you to go where they want you to go. Now on the flip side of that is that HMO, that stands for health maintenance organization. And that's the bad one. That's the one that says you have to be within this health maintenance organization. And if you go outside of it to seek care, you don't have any benefits. And is so there, what they're, it's, it's more like managed care. Is there situations where HMO makes more sense for people? Well, there are. So, so here in Indiana, we'll just use real, real life example. Um, if you are an individual who needs to use the Affordable Care Act, the marketplace, um, due to a pre-existing condition, or maybe you get a big tax credit, whatever, um, there are only HMOs left on that. And so I would never argue if you had the option between PPO and HMO to go with an HMO, but sometimes people in certain situations have to go. And I don't mean to paint this horrible picture of HMOs. I'm simply saying the PPO is much better if given the choice. HMOs, there are still plenty of doctors who take them, plenty of great doctors and providers and facilities who would take them. On the Affordable Care Act in Indiana, you can still go to the major hospitals if you have one of these HMOs, but you can't necessarily pick and choose who you get care from. Okay. Perfect. That's actually really helpful. Um, okay. So maybe the last few things, unless you can think of something different is I think HSA, FSA, HRA. I think like those okay. three would be a good last thing to talk about because I think everybody mixes these up. They think if you're talking about HSA, they're talking about FSA and then vice versa and then blah, blah, blah. And to be perfectly honest, I kind of mix them up sometimes too. So I got to look it up every now and then, but we'll start with the, the most popular one is going to be an HSA mm -hmm. and that stands for health savings account. And Thomas, you probably advise your people on this if they have one to max it out. I mean, it's yep. one of the true ways I believe, and I don't mean to talk out of school, you would know better than I, where money can actually grow tax-free. Um, you you can put pre-tax dollars in an HSA up to an annual limit. Um, and then I believe as long as the proceeds are used for medical expenses, um, the, any interest or earnings on that is also uh, tax-free. Is that yeah, correct? Let me, let me add to that. Yeah, everything you said is right. Let me just go into more detail. So basically what happens is let's say you make $100,000 and it's the higher the tax rate you're at, the more beneficial it is. But if you make $100,000 and you put the seventy-seven fifty you can do next year into your HSA, that reduces your taxable income from 100,000 down to like little over 92,000. So your tax savings are that basically 8,000 times your marginal tax rate. So if you're in the 22% tax bracket or whatever, that's like a little over $2,000 tax savings this year. That money can then get invested, it can grow tax-free, and then you can use it on healthcare costs in the future. 
So the way that I like to use it with people is like, obviously don't use an HSA if you need tons of medical care and a low premium or a low deductible plan makes more sense. But for a lot of my high income earners, it makes sense to have a higher deductible plan, pay for healthcare costs out of pocket and have this money grow for the future. And what we try to do is front load those investments for maybe like 10 years and then know that we can just let that money grow. Maybe you have 70,000 in there. We'll let it grow to retirement. And then you can pay for long-term care insurance tax-free from there. You also will have plenty of healthcare costs in retirement you can use it for. And on top of that, if you don't, for some reason, you can just pay tax like a 401k. So it's another way to get tax deferred money. But the other thing too, is like, you could have an HSA and 10 years from now, you could take money from your HSA and cite that you had a baby this year. And you'll have that ability to take that cash out and do it and cite the medical costs you had years ago, as long as you had oh, an wow. HSA plan during that time. So there's so much okay. flexibility that's created with an HSA, which is why people really like it. But again, if you almost can put $8,000 a year and you're in the 37% tax bracket, that's even more tax savings plus the growth. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. So, all right. Um, there's HSA. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, there's HSA. You got it from both sides. You got it from the insurance side and the, and the financial side. Um, and then when we deal with FSAs and HRAs, these are more tied to employees or employers. Okay. So the HRA, the health reimbursement account, this is a specific amount of money set aside per employee that an employer can offer up. And depending on which type of HRA it is, there's, there's one called an ICRA which is an individual coverage. And then there's one called a QSARA, which is a qualified self-employed HRA. Hmm. Um, there, there are different ways, but essentially the money can be used for qualified medical expenses. Um, and when the employer is contributing, it has to be a uniform contribution to all people within the company who are full-time. So let's say maybe I'm a small business owner and I don't um, offer small group insurance because it's just too expensive, but I want to do something for my employees. What I can do is I can start an HRA health reimbursement account and I can say, Hey, I'm going to put $200 a month in it for each of the employees, um, to use for qualified medical expenses. And the way the employees can use it is they have to have a major medical health plan. Um, but then they, they basically submit medical expenses into this reimbursement account and they get up to $200 a back in, in this made up scenario, um, to help offset those costs. Does that okay. kind of make sense? So can it, I, I know on the FSA side, an employee can contribute as well or do all the contributions on an HRA side. Is it only the employer? I need to check. That yes. Out. Yeah. Um, the, everyone that I've set up so far is a, it's a benefit for the employee. So, so that is how the FSA is different. You can put pre-tax dollars yep. in there for this flex spending account. Um, if you are the employee as well. And if you um, want to, and, if you want to give employees the opportunity to, then you could also have an FSA and you don't have to save into it. And the That's big difference exactly between right. these are that these are most of the time use it or lose it in the given year. Like if you do an FSA right. and you contribute, let's say $3,000, but you only spend a thousand, some plans let you roll over a little bit, but many plans it's use it or lose it where like, Hey, you put money in and you don't. So you don't always want to just put money in to put money in. I completely agree with that. And that's absolutely 
absolutely right. Because at the end of the year, sometimes certain FSAs will allow a grace period of up to two, two and a half months, something like that. Some of them will allow you to roll over a certain percentage of it into the next year. But it is it is uh, against advisement probably to to be just putting money in the FSA for the just yeah. in case. But that's what an HSA would be for. Yeah, and if you have it. And then earlier we were talking about the example of somebody that needed a bunch of dental work. They'll reach out to you and say, Hey, I need brace, like my kid needs braces, like, and it's not really an option to like increase your dental insurance to cover it. But what could be an option is braces are gonna cost me three thousand dollars. I'm gonna throw three thousand in my FSA because I know those dollars are gonna be allocated. And yes, it's not free, but again, a higher tax rate, three thousand dollars could end up costing you closer to two thousand dollars because you use a tax well, like yeah, tax deferred account. Absolutely. And so those are just different types of accounts that you can have alongside health insurance, but they, they certainly don't replace a good health insurance product. No. Um, but they are good ways to uh, sort of sock money away um, in those scenarios. Totally. Okay, cool. Any other terms or things that you think that we need to cover? To me, that felt like that was like a good amount. I don't know if I'm just like not thinking or missing something. I think that's pretty comprehensive. Um, obviously, if there are more questions, you you know, get at Thomas yeah. or get at me and we can certainly answer those. For sure. Let's then transition to like, I'm a business owner, which is me right now. Actually, we're about to meet after this and talk about it. But like, I'm a business <laughs> owner. I'm thinking about health insurance. What are my options? What are things to think through? And the one thing I will say is if you're married and you're self-employed and your spouse works somewhere that has health insurance, I would bet more times than not, you're probably better off hopping on their insurance and implementing your own as a self-employed person. But let's just say that you're fully self-employed. Maybe your spouse works with you. You don't have a spouse, whatever. And your only option is I need to go out and get health insurance. What do I want to think about? You know, what are considerations? What are my options? That kind of stuff. So are you talking about specifically for solopreneurs, basically the self-employed? Yeah. Let's say you don't need to do it for other employees as well. Or like, I guess maybe if there's nuances to, Hey, I have a couple employees, but that's more so I feel like who fits into my audience and who I work with. Not as much like, Hey, I got a hundred employees at my business and blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Okay, cool. It's cause this, um, your situation is the same exact as mine. I'm a solopreneur. I've, I've got to go get my own health insurance. I don't have a spouse whose plan I can hop on, but your sentiment at the beginning, Thomas was spot on. If you are self-employed, but your spouse works and can offer health insurance, 99 times out of 100, that is yeah. the plan that you should be on, even if the price tag seems a little high. And the reason is, Thomas, is that it's very difficult to replicate the quality of benefits that you're going to find that a business can offer on the individual market. Yeah. Um, as, as, and, and a lot of the reason is because of the Affordable Care Act. And so whenever I sit down with somebody who is a small business owner or self-employed, basically that person who needs to get their own health insurance, um, we walk through all the steps with them. And the first place we always start is the Affordable Care Act. Okay, so what is that? It's the ACA. A lot of people call it Obamacare. Some people call it the marketplace. Those are all names for the same exact thing. Okay, and this is the federally mandated website and marketplace where people like you and people like me were supposed to go to get their health insurance. And it's still fully functional. It's still around here, but it's sort of deteriorated into what it has become now. So if you if you take a, a, a little step back and you think about what insurance is, we sort of touched on this earlier. Insurance is a risk based product. 
um, when an insurance company is going to offer you a policy for insurance on anything, whether it's your car, your house, your health, your life, whatever, they're going to assess the likelihood of a claim. They're going to see what do you want to have covered, and they're going to see how much money do you want to have it covered for. With those three pieces of information, they're going to be able to calculate your premium. And so with, with your car, for example, they're going to look at your driving record. They're going to look at the value of your car, and they're going to want to see what limits does Thomas want for his auto insurance. And then based on their math, they'll spit out a premium for you. That is how health insurance has worked forever. But then the Affordable Care Act came along. And I'll be the first one to defend the Affordable Care Act. I think it's a wonderful thing because it allows people who otherwise couldn't afford health insurance or otherwise who couldn't medically qualify for health insurance, it allows them an avenue to get it. And I think that is tremendous and I love it. And that's why I stop at the Affordable Care Act on every sales call. That is the first place we start is the Affordable Care Act because it'll accepts everyone and because you can get a tax break on it. But if we look at what the Affordable Care Act did is it sort of morphed what our idea and what the definition of insurance is. And so what I mean by that is if you think back to how I described insurance assessing risk, they looked at the likelihood of a claim. That's how they, that's how, that's where they start. You know, that's through a process called underwriting. Well, the Affordable Care Act says health insurance companies, you can't do that anymore. You can't assess the risk. You can't even ask health questions. You have to accept everyone. So there's one of the three pillars of risk is just taken away. Then the Affordable Care Act said, we have these 10 essential benefits that all of our plans have to include. And some of this stuff is great, Thomas. I mean, it's hospitalization, it's prescriptions, it's, it's surgery, it's, it's stuff that you're like, oh, of course. But then there's also mental illness on there, which I think is very important, but not everybody needs it. Then there's drug and alcohol abuse and rehab. I think very important. I'm glad that people have a route to that, but not everybody needs that. There's maternity coverage. There's, there's these things in there that are now pre-baked into all these ACA plans. And so where the second pillar of insurance of them assessing the risk was, what do you want to be covered for? Um, they are now saying you're going to be covered for everything on the Affordable Care Act. And then the third pillar is how much are you going to be covered for? So every type of insurance in the history of the world has had limits on what it pays out. You know, your life insurance, if you pass away and your spouse is your beneficiary, your spouse doesn't get a blank check. Your, your spouse gets the face value of your policy. Um, same thing with your auto insurance and homeowners. There are limits on what it pays out. What the Affordable Care Act said was the coverage is going to be unlimited. So insurance usually assesses the risk, sees what you want to have covered, and then caps its losses. The Affordable Care Act says is we're going to cover everybody for everything for an unlimited amount of money. And that's where it's sort of become this not really insurance type of product. Um, but I still take people there first because it covers those pre-existing conditions, Thomas. It covers, you know, if your income is within a certain bracket, you're going to get a tax credit to help pay for it. That's where the affordable and affordable care act came from. So when we meet with this later, we're still going to go there. Okay. Because it is going to cover everything and you're going to, you know, you can qualify for a tax credit if your income's in a certain area. But what has happened, the fact that, you know, a lot of people complain about the Affordable Care Act, that's where you're going to see a lot of these $8,000 deductibles. You're going to see these $300 a month premiums. And it's because these insurance companies have to cover everybody. They have to cover everything. 
and they have to cover it for an unlimited amount of money. The only way they can make money anymore is by artificially and raising the premiums and artificially raising the deductibles. Okay. And that's also what has led these to have all these um, HMO networks. So when we go on to the affordable care later, there aren't any PPOs available in the state of Indiana. And there's very few PPOs available in any state in the country. They're all turning into these HMOs. Hmm. Okay. That makes sense to me. So then when, so we start there, when do we then go view other insurances? Well, the very next step is we're going to start looking at short-term medical because you can go to a company like United Healthcare or Blue Cross Blue Shield and you can Google that and you can go on and you can get what's called a short-term medical plan. These last for 364 days at a time. Time. Um, the big misgiving with these plans is they don't cover pre-existing conditions and they can only last up to a year. So these are really good fits, Thomas. Like if you told me, hey, I'm getting married in 10 months and uh, my wife, my, my fiance has a great work insurance plan, you would be a perfect candidate for a 10-month short-term medical. That makes sense. But the, the issue becomes when people have substituted a permanent health insurance plan for just flipping these short-term medicals over and over and over again, back to back to back. Because while you might be healthy, and while the fact that it doesn't cover short-term medicals doesn't bother you, what happens when you develop a condition during one of those terms? It's going to be covered. They're going to cover the plan. But when you go to renew it that next time, whatever condition you've now developed is a pre-existing condition now, and it will never be covered again in those subsequent plans. And so you can fall into this sort of hole in this trap where I'm taking out these short-term medicals and then something bad happens to me. Well, now I can't go and renew my plan and get that covered anymore. So I just always try to be wary of going to one of these big, these big companies and getting a short-term medical as a long-term solution. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. So what's the better solution than that? So the better solution is there are these companies who, when they saw the Affordable Care Act coming out, they decided to make their own products. And this is the company, one of the companies that I used to be captive with. Um, it, it works exactly how all other types of insurance works. And how I mean by that is that it still has the three pillars of risk involved. Okay. These insurance companies, they assess the risk by doing medical underwriting. And so that's not going to work for everybody. If you have a chronic lingering condition, if you've had a, a previous history of cancer, if you need a, a hip replacement right now, this isn't going to be a good product for you. That's what we have the Affordable Care Act for. That's going to pick up right where your other coverage left off and cover those pre-existing conditions. But if you're relatively healthy, these uh, individual health insurance plans, they'll accept you. The other way that it's like uh, all their types of insurance is it's customizable. Instead of covering these 10 essential benefits like the Affordable Care Act did, these plans let you pick and choose what you want to be covered for, okay? And so they're going to say, hey, you want to be covered for disease. Hey, you want to be covered for injury, surgery, hospitalization. You can sort of a la carte build this plan out to be what you want it to be, okay? Here's the big drawback, though. Much like other insurance companies and other insurance products, we've assessed the risk. We saw what you're going to be covered for. What's the limit? These health insurance plans and these health insurance products have caps on what they pay out per incident. These caps are very high. They're very generous. We don't run into these limits being exceeded. But the fact of the matter is, is that these plans work just like other insurance products. And so they cap their losses per incident. 
The real benefit of all these though, Thomas, is that there's no network restrictions. They work very similar to a PPO. You can go and take these plans wherever you wanna go. What else is really nice about these is there's something called guaranteed renewable, which means unlike the short term where you have to keep renewing it every 364 days, these plans are guaranteed. Once you're in, you can keep them for as long as you want. I've had my same health insurance plan with them for five and a half years. Nothing about my benefits have changed. I haven't had to re-enroll or go back through underwriting. So it's really a trade-off of what is important to you. How do you want to protect your finances? And for me, okay, I'm a very risk-averse person. I, I just truly am. I've, I've worked hard for the things that I have. And so, but the other thing that's really important to me, Thomas, is I want to be able to choose where I go and get my care. Um, if I ever needed a surgery, if I ever had a hospital stay or a disease or anything like that, the, the Affordable Care Act and the HMO nature of that, it, it turns me off and it kind of it kind of scares me that I'd have to go through managed care to get things done. And so for that reason, I lean more towards this individual health insurance type of situation. Okay. But since I am risk averse, I don't like the fact that there's limits. I don't care how high they are. The fact that there is a limit, it bothers me. And so what I go out and do is for those people who are bothered by these limits, who don't want these limits, is we go out and we find a stop loss program that sort of comes in. And if any of these limits are ever exceeded, if anything ever goes above and beyond what this individual insurance is going to pay out, we have these stop loss programs that cap your exposure after insurance is paid at $5,000 a piece. And so that's what I have on myself. And so we walk through all these different programs with everybody and that configuration isn't going to work for everyone. There's some people yeah. are going to say, Hey, Hey, I, I'm not comfortable with two things. I don't want that. I don't, I don't want to have a stop loss involved and that's totally fine. But then we've got to go back to the affordable care act or short-term medical. Yeah. And we already know what the weaknesses are there. It's kind of the idea of having an umbrella policy on like other parts of your life. Like who knows if you have a pool and somebody drowns or whatever, like you might not have enough insurance and I don't know if it's the same way where it's kind of like doesn't get used often. So the cost isn't super high to have it because I'm, I know like you can get $5 million in umbrella policy and it'd be like, you know, 20 bucks a month sometimes because they, <laughs> yeah. they almost never get used, but it is a massive risk that some people would rather offload than worry about. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I've had my cost sharing, um, you know, this stop loss program for five years, never used it once, never had yeah. to bring it out, never, you know, it sits in my desk and gathers dust. But it's one of those things where um, I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it if any of those limits are ever exceeded. Um, and I know what everybody's probably thinking. And I get this a lot. I get this in all my appointments. And this is probably what you were thinking, Thomas, is, well, that's all great, Matt. I, I understand that. But but what I'm looking for is I, I just want that, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield PPO plan. You know, you can give me a high deductible. That's fine. I don't care, but that's what I want. And I'll pay, I'll pay good money for it. The fact of the matter is, Thomas, that product doesn't exist anymore. The ACA has come in and it's changed the individual marketplace. I would love if that product existed. I know that you want it. I, I want it for myself. If, if that, if that existed, my job would be so easy. I'd just be able to email you an explanation of benefits. You'd say, yep, looks good. I see PPO. I see Blue Cross Blue Shield. Let's sign it up. 
it doesn't exist anymore in this market. And so while doing that two-pronged approach of individual health insurance and stop-loss insurance seems like a lot of hoops to jump through, it seems you know unnecessary, whatever, the alternatives, quite frankly, are the ACA and short-term medicals. And it's just this is the this is the climate of health insurance right now. Um, and so as much as I'd like to offer you that that one size fits all PPO, it's just not out there anymore, man. Yeah. Interesting. Any closing thoughts that you have? I feel like we covered everything and this was like super good. You did a great job keeping things basic and educated me on things that I didn't know. Well, good. I'm glad. I Sometimes I talk a little over my own skis. Um, so I'm glad to hear that. Uh, honestly, I, I could go on for days. Um, so I certainly won't do that now. We want to keep it short and sweet. So um, no real closing thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Well, best places for people to follow you or reach out to get health insurance. Absolutely. So Instagram, Iconic Insurance. Um, we got a Facebook page, Iconic Insurance. Um, the easiest way is going to be to just go to our website, though, iconic-insurance.com. Right on there, you'll be able to schedule a one-on-one -on -one appointment with me, um, just filling out a few cursory things about yourself. Um, we don't even ask for your phone number. We're not going to call you or anything, um, but you can book a meeting and, and we'll be able to walk through what your what your best options are. I love that because last year I actually put my number into like a, or a website for health insurance because I was just like wanting to view the prices of affordable like the like just different options there and i still to this day get three plus texts a day i i at one point i had 200 missed calls in three days from people so oh my god here's our best tip for you is don't do that don't don't, don't put do your that in there, or you're gonna be screwed for years <laughs> i see so many people who do that thomas and it's no fault of your own you think that's how you got to do it but that's why we purposely don't ask for your phone number so you don't think it's one of those things yeah we just want to be able to talk to you and go over your situation and figure it out we're not selling your information to anybody else we want it for ourselves so we can help you yeah love that mm -hmm. all right matt well thanks for joining me man this was awesome and um everybody thanks for listening please rate subscribe and share if you found it helpful mm -hmm.